Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Three years ago, I was in the countryside of Colombia, and I was six years old, and I was sitting under a mango tree, and I was playing with something. And I remember that suddenly something came to my mind, and I started like, speaking in a different language than Spanish. It was a little weird for me. And it was like a dream. And, and in that moment, something came to my mind. I heard like God boy saying, one day you will be another country, uh, speaking to another people in a different language than Spanish. And it was a little weird for me because I was a farmer and I rarely knew a little Spanish because uh, I was only six years old. And today I have that chance to speak to you in a different language than Spanish. So please forgive me if I make some mistakes, because English is my second language, and I have been only four years here in this country. So forgive me, have compassion and mercy with me. <laughs> Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your love and your mercy. Thank you for what you have done for us. Thank you for your power. Thank you for give us this testimony this morning to hear about what you have done in the life of my sister, Lord. Thank you because you remind us that you are powerful, that you are amazing, Lord, that you act in ways that we don't know and in ways that we don't imagine, Lord. Thank you for that. So this morning, Lord, I ask you, please, that the power of your Holy Spirit will be with us, that the power of your Holy Spirit will speak to us this morning, and that we will hear your voice speaking to us, and that I will hear your voice, and I can share your gospel to our people, Lord. Lord God, help me this morning to share your word and open our heart to hear from you. Thank you for the wonderful opportunity to share your word, your gospel. I pray all this thing in your name. Amen. So today I'm going to share God's word, but I'm going to use a lot of my testimony and I want to share some stories about people, especially in Colombia, and about how God had worked in the life of some of my friends, and how the gospel has changed the life of some of my friends in Colombia. So the first thing that I want to share with you is that I grew up in the countryside of Colombia. And the countryside of Colombia is very different than the countryside here in the U.S. My parents, my dad, he doesn't know how to write or read. He never went to school. Uh, my mom, she went to school, but she only spent three years in the school. So she knows how to write and read, but a little bit. And my dad, he only knows how to work, and he worked very hard every day. So, so I grew up working with them all the time. So when I finished high school, I moved from my house to a different city in Colombia, uh, to the city of Bogota. And over there, I met some missionaries, and they helped me to go to college. And I went to college, and I, study, uh, I started studying theology. And I would go visit my parents once a year. And one, one year, I went to visit my dad, 
uh, and I went to the countryside to be with him. And the countryside, when my parents live in Colombia, they don't have power, they don't have TV, uh, they only have radio, uh, and they have a special kitchen that my mom, my mom make for by herself. So it's, it's very different than here. And, but they have the river, and they have uh, my, my dad grow uh, rice and corn. So I went to visit my dad, and we were talking about something, and my dad looked at me and said, tell me again, what is the thing that you are studying? So I told him, I'm studying theology. And my dad said, what the heck is theology? And I said, oh, that theology is uh, just study about God and about how God loves people, how God wants people to get to know him better. And, and, and he said, why do you have to study that? He said, that because there are some people who don't believe in God. There are some people who don't believe that God loves them. And I studied that because I want to get to know God better so that I'm able to share about him. And he said, there are people who don't believe that God exists. He said, yes, that's true. Uh, and so what is the job, he said to me. So my job is sharing with people and talking about God and helping them to, to get to know God and helping them to, to realize that God exists. So he looked at me and said, oh, so your job is very easy. Yeah, it's very easy. Yeah, it's very, very easy. He said, why? He said, why? Come with me. And he take me out of the house. And let's take a walk. And we start walking. And we went to this by the river. And he said, you, you see the, the river over there? He said, I see it. He said, I've been here 24 years. And that river has never stopped running since I've been here. Uh, do you see... Uh, uh, the corn and the rice that we are growing now, you see, I see, has been here 24 years. And every year it rains, every year the crops grow, every year we eat the rice from there, every year we eat the corn from there. It had never stopped happening that. And he said, and do you see this, the sun? The sun? In Colombia, the sun go out every day, so it's not like in Chicago. No? So my dad said, uh, you see the sun? It go out every day. Uh, he said, oh, yeah, that's true, dad. So why do you think, his, my dad said, why is it so difficult for people to believe that God exists? It was, it was a shock for me. My dad is a farmer, and he doesn't know how to read or write. I said, okay, if you think that it's an easy job, I'm going to try to do that like that, but it's not so easy, dad. And he said, something else that is the gospel. I told my dad, the gospel. And he said, what is the gospel? He said, the gospel is, is like a good news that, that we are sinners and God loves so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. Uh, and so if we believe in that, we are safe. Um, and my dad said, God sent his son to die for us. Yeah, he, he did it. Uh, and what do we need to do to, to be saved, my dad? Say, he say, we just need to believe. And he said, you don't have to do uh, nothing? You don't have to do anything? He said, no, I don't, we don't have to do anything. He said, I don't believe that part, he said. I said, why? He said, because all my life I have been working very hard to have what I have right now. Nobody gave me anything. And I, I believe the galaxies, and I believe that God has created, but I don't believe that 
We don't have to do anything to get his salvation. We have to do something about it. So, but for my dad, it was easier to realize or to get to, to say that God exists. But my dad was very difficult to accept that God doesn't ask to do something to receive his love and his mercy. And that's what's happening to many people in Colombia. So I'm from the countryside in Colombia, and in my family, I was the only one who went to college, has been the only one who had gone to college. And so when I go and visit them, it's, it's, it's a very different culture for me now. And when I go there, I speak Spanish, but when I'm with my parents, I have to speak a different Spanish because my parents speak a different Spanish than me. Because they grew up in the countryside, and my wife, she knows to speak Spanish fluently, but sometimes she doesn't understand them because the way they speak is a little different. So when I was with them, I had to be a farmer again so they can understand me. Uh, so today, uh, I'm going to use a Bible test that is uh, the book of Romans. You're going to open your Bible, the book of Romans. And the past two years, the pastor Peter has been talking about what? The book of Acts, two years so far, no? we are almost done. And one of the person in the book of Acts, one of the most uh, like famous person in the book of Acts is uh, the Apostle Paul. And Paul wrote some letters, and one of the letters that he wrote was the book of Romans, which is one of the most difficult books in the Bible to understand sometimes because it has one of the most uh, deepest theology in the Bible. And I don't know why, 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 why I choose that one because it's one of difficult for me to understand. Uh, but he wrote this letter to the church in Roman. And last Sunday, remember that we were talking about Paul's traveling to Rome. And he, in this book, he's writing a letter to them. And he, before this letter, he had never been in Roman. So in Romans 1, let's read Romans 1 from 1 to 16. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. The gospel he promised beforehand to his prophets in the Holy Scripture regarding his son, who was to human nature was a descendant of David, and who through the spirit of holiness was declared with power to be the son of God by his resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ our Lord, through him and for his name's sake, will receive grace an apostle she to call people from among all the Gentiles to the obedience that come from faith. And you also are among those who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. To all in Rome who are allowed by God and called to be saints, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is being reported as all over the world. God, whom I serve with my whole heart in preaching the gospel of his son, is my witness how constantly I remember you in my praise and all the time. And I pray that now, at last, by God's will, the way may be opened for me to come to you. I long to see you, that I might impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. 
That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I planned many times to come to you, but I have been prevented from doing so until now, in order that I may have a harvest among you, just as I have among the other Gentiles. I am obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. That is, I am so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are at Rome. I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes, first for the Jews, then for the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith for first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. I think that I have, I have read this passage about 100 times in order to try to do, to do well, and I don't know if I did well. Even though we read the whole passage, uh, I'm going to focus just in one verse, which is the verse uh, 16. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. And the first point that I would like to, to share this, this morning is that we cannot be ashamed of the gospel. We cannot be ashamed of the gospel. Why? Uh, because the gospel in some ways is powerful and the gospel is beauty it's beautiful the power the gospel is powerful and the gospel is beautiful so that my title of the message this morning is the gospel the power and beauty of the gospel so this morning we hear our testimony about the power of the gospel we cannot be ashamed of the gospel why because the gospel is from god we cannot be ashamed of the gospel because the gospel is from God. When I became a Christian, I was 17 years old. And I was very famous in my hometown. I was, I was born in a, in a very small town because I was, I was one of the best soccer players in that town. And it, and it seems like I was cute in some ways. Uh, I don't know if it's true, but it, but it seems because I was very famous in, in, in that town. So, <laughs> I'm very humble, so just, just, don't worry. It's just <laughs> but but it, I don't know, it seems like I'm, I, I was cute because uh, I, uh, the other day I was talking with my friends that went to school with me. And she, she said, you know that you were one of the most beautiful guys in our school. And I, wow, I didn't know that. So... But when you were 17 years old and you became, uh, in my hometown, to be a Christian, we call evangelicos or evangelical, I don't know how you say in English, but a Christian, to be a Christian was to be out of the society in our town. Because the way that they uh, followed the gospel was very uh, legalist. And if you became a Christian, you, uh, you stop going to parties, you stop dance, you stop, you stop uh, sometimes playing soccer, uh, and you stop doing a lot of things. So I became a Christian when I was 16 years old. And I stopped doing what I was accustomed to do. 
And in some ways it was good, but in other ways it was very bad. Why was very bad? Because I stopped being friends with my good friends. And, and I was ashamed of the gospel. I was ashamed because when I was with my friends who were not Christian, I wasn't able to tell them that I was a Christian. Uh, I was afraid they would reject me because I was an evangelical, a Christian, the way they were so I think the first two years of my Christian life, was, uh, I was like in a closet. Uh, I was Christian in my house, and I was Christian from my house to the church. And I, and I don't know if you, you don't do that here in the U.S., but in Colombia, all the Christians, they, they, they carry their, their Bible like this to the church. Uh, and and, I, and I, do, I did it. So I carry my Bible to the church. But I, I have a special way to go to the church. A way where, where now live my friends who were not Christian, they didn't live over there. So I was like this, walking to the church for the same way every day, every day that I went to church. So many of my friends, they didn't know that I was a Christian. Um, I was very ashamed. I was ashamed uh, because I wasn't sure what I believed at that time. Uh, I didn't have conviction of the gospel. I was following just some rules. Uh, we had a pastor who told us what to do and what not to do. And I was following this kind of gospel. That's why I was ashamed of the gospel. Uh, the reason why Paul was not ashamed of the gospel was because he knew the gospel. And he believed it and he also experienced it. Paul, he knew the gospel. He believed it, and he experienced it. So we cannot be ashamed of the gospel until we don't uh, know it, until we don't believe it, and until we don't experience it. We have to know the gospel. We have to believe it, and we have to experience it in our life. The transforming power of it in our life. And I think that until we don't experience that, sometimes we will be ashamed of the gospel. Sometimes we will be ashamed of sharing the gospel with other people. We have to encounter the gospel. We have to believe it, and we have to experience that. Something that have helped me here being a new community to grow in the gospel is being people like you, seeing people like you sharing for the power of the gospel. Seeing youth people like you, how your life has changed because of the power of the gospel. Seeing people like you who have good education, who people who like you who don't have education, people like you who have money, people like you who don't have money. Uh, being chained for the power of the gospel. That have, in some ways, encouraged my life not to be ashamed of the gospel because I see that the gospel is powerful to change people's life. So we cannot be ashamed of the gospel. This is my first point. I have good news for you. Maybe you're going early to how, at the house today because uh, I only preached 30 minutes. Uh, my second point is the gospel is the 
is the dynamite of God. Uh, the gospel is the dynamite of God. If we read uh, the verse again, Paul say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God. The word power, uh, the Paul use is the word dynamis. In the Greek, it's where we have the word in English, dynamite. In Spanish, it's the word dynamita. See? So the dynamite is, means is explosion. This is the word that Paul uses. The word that Paul uses, the, the gospel is explosion. It causes chaos. Uh, something that I did when I was a kid, I worked in gold mine in Colombia. Uh, I did a lot of stuff. I worked in gold mine. I, I was, uh, my dad, we did agriculture too. And we did different stuff. And in gold mine, uh, sometimes there are big rock. And, and the only way to move that rock, we didn't have big machines at that time, is to put dynamite in them. In some part, I don't know if you, you know about that, but in some part, you have to put the dynamite and, and you explode. And they cause a big explosion, destroy the rock. And, and this is, was the way that we, we could have done that. So the gospel is dynamite because it causes explosion, transformation in people's life. And I want to share you a story of one of my best friends in Colombia. I think we have the picture of him here. It's, uh, his, his name is Alex Puerta. Uh, you see that he has something in his eye. He was a very funny guy. I went with him to college. We studied together theology. And he was my, uh, my, my roommate. Uh, in that picture, Alex can't see for one of his eyes. He can't see now. But when we went to college, he couldn't see. He was blind. So I had to read for him every book that we had to read in class. Uh, uh, so I spent a lot of time with him. But his testimony is amazing. Uh, if you hear about Colombia, uh, people, when people talk about Colombia, what is the first thing that people say about Colombia? So what do you say? Drug, yeah? Some people say coffee. But most of the people say drug, yeah? Okay. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, but Alex, uh, let me drink some water. Alex was, Alex was happy all the time in class. He was singing, uh, he was making jokes, he was making funny all the time. Uh, and I didn't know his story. But one day he shared me what happened with him, what happened with his eye. And in Colombia we have a uh, a sad story, uh, and we have been in war for about I don't know 25 years. And there are different group, a rebel group. Uh, one group is called the FARC, and the other group is called Paramilitares. And we have another rebel group called ALN, and we have the military group. And those group have been fighting each other for many, many, many years. And Alice used to work in. Uh, um, a banana, banana farm, and he, uh, and that, the place where Alice was working was a big fight between two groups, and they were killing people all the time. And one day, Alice was with his friends in a bus to go to, to work. 
It was like six in the morning, and suddenly the bus stopped, and there were some people with guns machine, and took a hour the bus, and they put them in the floor like this, uh, and and they tie their hands like this, all over this. And Alice was one of them. So with the gun machines, they start killing people like this. And Alice realized that Alice was like this, and he said, oh, now it's coming to me. They want to kill me. And, and they were about 25 people, so they start shooting people. And when they, Alice was thinking, oh, this is my, my last chance of, of life. And, and he said that when he was like that, he heard a voice that said, Alice, share the gospel. Share the gospel. And, and he started sharing the gospel with the people who was beside, God love you. God love you. And, and, the guy, and the guy was coming close to him. And, and Alice was sharing the gospel. And, the guy, and Alice used his head like this, and the guy shot him. And the bullet come here and take his eye out. Uh, and Alice was uh, blood in her, his face, and he was drowning in the blood. And Alice, Alice said, this is my last moment, I'm going to die now. And he said that suddenly he hear a voice that said, Alice, fight for your life. Fight for your life, that this is not your last moment, fight for your life. And, and Alice, Alice said that he pushed his head like this, and he, his blood over his head, and when the person who shot him saw that he was alive, he took a machete, and he came to him, and he, to, again, to Alex, so he has some machete stuff here. And Alex was like that. And when he woke up again, he was in a plane to the city of Medellin to go to the doctor, and he was alive. So Alex, but because of that, he was blind. He, he was blind. Uh, he lost his eye, and something happened in the other eye, so he was blind. And, and after a year, he was able to recover, and he started college. And, and we were there, studying together. And he was amazing. He would share his testimony all the time. He was happy all the time. Even though he couldn't walk, he, he couldn't see, he was uh, joking all the time, making fun of me or making fun of other people. And he was happy all the time. And I was asking, Alec, why, why did you do that? He said, because God loved me. Uh, because love me. God loved me. And he was happy all the time. But this is the beauty of the gospel. But something happened, and Alex started working uh, in, in a prison in Medellin. Uh, it's a prison ministry. And Alex started going there to prison and to share the gospel with people. And, and, and one day, Alex was sharing the gospel with people, and he encountered some people over there. Encountered, yeah. uh, there were some people who knew him. And when they saw him, they knew who Alex was. And they were hiding from Alex. And somebody told Alex, Alex, you know who they are? And Alex said, no, I don't know who they are. They were the people who shot you. They were the people who tried to kill you. And he said, oh, they are? And Alex got, went to them and started talking to them. And, and they, Alex told them, I heard that you were the people who tried to kill me. 
And they said, yeah, we were. And Halley looked at them and said, you know that I, I forgive you. I forgive you. Uh, I forgive you because God has forgiven me, because God loved me, and, and I don't have anything against you. Uh, and I wanted you to know that God loved you. Even though you did, me, did that to me, God loved you, and God's going to love you all the time. And that was amazing. Uh, and, I told, uh, and I asked Ali, why did you do that? And he said, because of the power of the gospel in my life. This is the power of the gospel transform my life. The power of the gospel can transform the life today too. And Alice, now he can see for one of his eyes. And that picture one was in his, in his marriage. And he, he got married. Uh, but now everything is happy for Alex. He got divorced again. Yeah. Uh, something happened, and the girl wasn't a good girl for him, and he got divorced. But he continued preaching the gospel. And he's a happy guy all the time. Yeah, he's a happy guy. From him, I've learned so much. And I see how God loved him and how God has transformed his life. And through the life of Alex, many lives have been transformed in Colombia when the people hear his testimony. If you go to Christianity today, I think they have their testimony because he has been here sharing his testimony, how God has changed his life. So my second point is the gospel is the dynamite of God because he has power to change people's life. He changed the life that people who, that we think that we know those lives cannot be changed. God can change those lives. And my third point is the gospel is for everyone. The gospel is for everyone. As I said before, uh, my parents are farmers. Uh, so in my town, we were in some ways one of the poorest people in our town. Uh, the school where I went to was a public school, so we didn't have to pay. But there were some friends of mine who they have money. So being in the school was very hard for me because I never had money to buy my books. Uh, I never had money to buy something to drink during break. Uh, I never had money to invite a girl to go out. But because I was so cute, they paid for me. No, just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. But, 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 uh, but it was very, it's very hard for me. It was very hard for me, like... Oh, something that was, the hardest part was like every vacation, my friends would go to the beach and, in Colombia, the nicest places in Colombia, and I, w- I would go to the farm to work. So when we start school every year, the teachers would ask, oh, can you tell us a story? Where did you go for vacation? So my friends would go, oh, we went to the beach, we went to da-da-da-da-da, and I didn't know what to say because I just went to the farm to work. With my dad. Uh, sometimes I, I lie. Sometimes I'm, I share, I make some stories that were not true. Because I wanted to be good, uh, to be accepted. <clears throat> so I think for me it was hard uh, in my adolescence because I wasn't accepted in some ways because my friends were richer than me. But I, f- I found a place where I was accepted, and that place was the church. 
uh, in the church was the poorest people. Uh, and I would hear every Sunday that the gospel was for the poorest. Uh, the, the rich people didn't go to heaven. Uh, that only the poor would go to heaven. Uh, the, only the poor would be safe. And I was happy. Uh, my pastor would preach, do you remember that text in Mark uh, 7, 10, 70, 31, the, the, rich, the, young, the rich man who come to Jesus and say, Jesus, what should I do in order to go to heaven or to be saved? And Jesus told him, go sell everything you have and then follow me. And that said that the rich man, he got away because he has a lot of money. So I was good. And, his, and uh, the pastor would say, you see, the rich don't go to heaven. They are now being saved. So for two years, I heard that all the time. So in my idea, in my mind, only the poor are accepted in the gospel, for the gospel. Only the poor have a space in the church. So that was my theology. So when I moved from my town to the city of Bogotá, which is the capital of Colombia, uh, and I met some missionaries, and missionaries, they are not poor, no? So I met some missionaries, and they invited me to their house, and they have an amazing house. Go, wow, they are rich and they are Christian. So there was a shock for me. Are they safe, I was thinking? Uh, are they Christian? Oh, I don't know. So I start spending time with them. And I realized that some of them, the, no, all them, they knew Jesus maybe better than me. And they have a good relationship with Christ. That they were part of the gospel too. So I start spending time with them. And so I start getting to know rich people who were Christian, who were good Christian. Uh, and then I moved to Chicago uh, and, and I came to New York community and I met poor people here who are Christian and I met rich people here who are Christian and I met uh, educated people here who are Christian and I met educated people who are Christian and who love Jesus uh, so the gospel is for everyone, not only for poor, not only for rich, not only for good people, not only for bad people, but for everyone. When Paul wrote his letter, one of the verse, this is the verse uh, 14, Paul says, I'm obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks both to the wise and to the foolish. The second part, when Paul said non-Greeks, the word in Greek is barbarians, to the barbarians. In English, we say non-Greek, but in, in Greek, the word is to the barbarians. You know who the barbarians were. People said they were, they were one of the most unmerciful people. Wherever they would go, they would kill everyone. Uh, wherever they were conquer a new place, they were kill everyone. They were very barbarians, where I say that. And Paul said, the gospel is for those people too. The gospel is for those people too. 
The city of Medellin, the city where my wife and I used to live, and the city where we are going to be missionaries next year, is very uh, divided. Uh, rich people live here, and poor people live here. In Colombia, we have six different social economical stratus, starting from one to six. One are the poorest of the poor, two as the people who have a little more, three, they have a little more, four is the middle class, five as some the rich, and six are the richest people in the country. Uh, people who are in level six are maybe 5% in the country, so the richest people are only maybe 5%. Uh, the only 10% are maybe the people who are in four or five, and the poorest are maybe 80% in our country. Most of the churches in Colombia are in some ways divided too. Some churches are for rich and some churches are for poor. Um, my wife and I, we have, been here, uh, we have been here four years. And we have been in a new community for four years. And we have seen how God has brought together rich and poor, educated and non-educated, all and young people, cute people and non-cute people. <laughs> But we are here together. That's the beauty of the gospel. That's the beauty of the gospel. The gospel is powerful, and the gospel is beauty. And that's what we would like to do when we are going to Colombia. We're going to be working with rich people, and we're going to be working with poor people. And we are going to use poor people to reach rich people. It's a real challenge. But God has called us to do that because the gospel is for everyone. And I'm going to end with a personal story, <clears throat> another personal story. Uh, I have two kids, uh, Sam and Benjamin, Samuel and Benjamin. And Sam is two and a half now. Uh, and he's a crazy boy. In the church, he's a good Christian. He behaves very well here. But when he's home, he's a crazy boy. <laughs> people, I remember people said, does he ever smile? Because he is very serious here. And people said, does he ever smile? Yes, he does. And he cry and he do. So he made me laugh and he made me cry at the same time. But he is one of my, in some way, one of my best friends, and he's one of my best teachers in my personal life. As I said before, I grew up in the countryside of Colombia, and my dad is a farmer. And the way that we express love is very different. We don't hug each other. People think that Latino, Latino culture is very, that people hug and kiss each other. Yeah, that's true in some way, but not everyone. So people in the countryside, they don't hug, they don't kiss, they never say, I love you. I grew up with that culture in my mind. So uh, when I became a Christian and when I met some friends that I saw them doing that, I said, I have to learn to do that. Because when I have a, when I have a kid, I would like to do that with my kids. So I ha- now I have Sam, he's two and a half years. So since, he was, since we realized that we were going to have a boy, at that moment, I started loving him. At that moment, I started loving him. And I will never stop loving him because he's my son. Even though he made me cry, 
I will never stop loving him because he is my son. And there are some moments when I leave him with a babysitter and I go to my classes. And when I come back from classes uh, and I open the back door of my place, he hears that the back door is open. And he maybe is playing with his babysitter or doing whatever he's doing. When he hears back door, he looked like this and he said, and he said, there is me. And he started running to me. And he said, Papa! He ran to me. He said, Papa! And he jumped to me. He doesn't care that he have something with me. No. He just jumped. And I hugged him and I said, Sam, I love you. Te amo. And he said, I love you, Papa. Those are the precious moments in my life. And so far, Sam has never asked me if he can jump in me and say, I love you. He had never asked, Papi, can I do that? He had never asked. And I think he will never ask because he knows that I'm his dad, his Papa, and he knows that I will always love him. God is like that. That is the gospel. That is the beauty of the gospel. God will always love us. We always love you. Even though we do bad things, God will always love us. And we don't have to ask him if we can say something or not, or if we can jump to God whenever we want to jump to him. Because we, he will be always ready for us. Amen? God loves you just the way that you are. And God will receive you whenever you want to go to him. And you can jump to God whenever you want. Because he's going to hug you. And he's going to tell that he loves you. That he loves you. Doesn't matter what you do or what you don't do, that He loves you and who will be always love you. That is the beauty and power of the gospel. Let's pray. God, thank you for your love and your mercy. Thank you for your compassion. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for Jesus Christ. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for life. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for your power and for your beauty. And thank you for being our Father who always be there for us. Thank you for being our Father who loves us even though we are not so good, even though we are not so cute. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you are always waiting for us so that we can jump to you 
and hug you and receive your hug and you receive your love, Lord. Thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, for us. Thank you that we don't have to work hard in order to receive your love. Thank you that your love is a gift from you, Lord. Thank you that your mercy is a gift from you. Thank you for that, Lord. You are amazing, God. You are compassion, God. You are mighty, God. We love you, God. I ask you, Lord, that you will remember these two people who are here that maybe feel that you don't love them, that maybe feel that you don't accept them, that maybe feel that you don't hear them. Lord, remember Remember them that you will be always, you always will be there. You are a good father. Even though sometimes maybe we make you cry, you cry because you love us, because you are there waiting for us. Thank you for the power and the beauty of the gospel that's good news Lord thank you Lord